0: Going today, guys. I'm back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with CP3 today. You know what day it is? It's Friday. It's October. Still, it's October, actually 13th to be exact. No, four, 16th. What am I even saying right now? I'm all off, all over the place. But I'm joined once again by Ben Gorwitz and talk about this massive week of college football. Ben, say what's up to everybody. What's up, everybody? We got a big week college football. We've got NFL and we got
1: the Braves continuing to win.
0: Hey, Ben just segued perfectly into our first segment. Before we get into college football and NFL this weekend, we got to talk about our Braves, man. How about those Braves, Ben?
1: Absolutely love that everyone and their mother has taken the Dodgers in the series. It doesn't even seem like anyone... I, I get that the MLB would be you know pissed off that the Yankees and the Dodgers are all Yankees are out. Dodgers are on the brink of elimination. Those are the two most moneymakers for them. But Joe Buck and former Brave John Smoltz don't seem to be too excited about it. You have ESPN tweeting that the Dodgers are one game away from elimination, yet they don't tweet that the Braves are one game away from the World Series. I just don't understand what's going on. We love it. We, don't pay attention to us. We're just going to continue to win. The Braves continue to toss out rookie rookie Bryce Wilson shoved against Hall of Famer Clayton Kershaw. And I keep seeing and reading that Clayton Kershaw pitched pretty well. He gave up seven hits in, like, five innings. Like, that's he didn't pitch that well. The Braves were hitting them.
0: Yeah, and so, a lot of those balls were hard hit right at people, too.
1: Yes. So, I don't I don't think he pitched that well. He looked like playoff Kershaw, like he always does. So, Braves continue to roll. The bats are hot. Let's see if they can clinch it off tonight. They're up 3-1 in the series.
0: Hey, I feel pretty good about this game tonight. To be honest with you, though, I think the biggest two things that happened this entire series – was the Braves coming out and winning game one. You know, we clearly had the pitching edge. Bueller's been a a great pitcher too, don't get me wrong, but Freed has been lights out this season. I mean, the guy's 7-1 for crying out loud on the regular season. And he came out, pitched a hell of a game, got the Braves that victory. I feel like winning that game and having our bats explode at the end of the game made us not afraid for game two. Obviously, game three, there were some tough breaks. But I feel like really the game last night was kind of show us what you're made of, Braves. Are you going to fall into the we're Atlanta trap and choke? Which I personally never thought was going to happen. I thought the Braves were going to win from the moment I woke up. And that's exactly what happened was the Braves came out and won. I mean, our bats were absolutely on fire. We knocked them around. And to be honest with you, I don't think the Dodgers are looking at this from an angle tonight that we're down 3-1, we can come back. Yeah, they might be saying that and trying to portray that to people, but I mean... When you're the Dodgers and you're hyped up and you've had the season you had and everything, when you come out and you get hit in the mouth and you hit back and then a team like the Braves hit back the way they did last night, I mean, I think they're done. I think they're beaten. I think they really don't think they can beat this Braves team. And to be honest with you, I don't think this Braves team would have been able to make this run if it doesn't go all the way back to the Marlins series where they hit Acuna with that pitch. You know, If they don't hit Ronald with that pitch, I don't know if it triggers the Braves. I mean, I felt like the Braves are really looking like the typical Atlanta choke team up until that point where we got hit with that pitch. I feel like that's what kind of flipped the switch in everyone's head and got this team going.
1: I agree with you that Game 1 victory was absolutely massive for Atlanta. It shows, I think they always thought this, but it's it's proof and it showed them that, hey, we do belong with the Dodgers. We belong in the series. We're up 1-0. Things their in game two. They ended up going 2-0. I, I, my keys to the game, and I've been telling everyone this. I think I said it on, the, uh, on this podcast the first time we talked about the Braves-Dodgers series. The key for the Braves pitchers was you have to make them earn their way on base. That means no walks. You got to get quality starts and get quality pitches because you can't make a mistake to this lineup. They're supposed to be dangerous. They're just not hitting right now. The Braves have only had one bad start, in my opinion, in the entire postseason, and that was Kyle Wright's uh, in Game Three against the Dodgers. I I would put Max Fried's start against the Marlins as an okay start. There's a lot of people on base, but he did get out of a jam um, in a couple innings there. So I would I think the Braves have really only had one bad start. Um, they have limited walks outside of Kyle Wright's start. Bryce Wilson. Uh, was tremendous last night. Max Fried in game one was tremendous. He usually doesn't really walk people. And then Ian Anderson continued to go in a game, Two. So today they're, they've they decided to start A.J. Minter, who's a bullpen guy. We'll see how they go after that. Kyle Wright only threw 28 pitches. Uh, he only got two outs in his game, so physically he could probably pitch again. I think mentally is the bigger um, obstacle to overcome. But, I mean, Freddie Freeman has, has uh, shown up in these playoffs. He's kind of... Got that bad playoff juju out of his mouth. He certainly mm-hmm. looks like the MVP. Um, Acuna starting to get on base a little bit more. And Azuna has just
0: exploded.
1: Um, this Braves team is really deep. It it may not have the names that a casual baseball fan was, Wow, you know what? Like he's okay. Like I mean, Travis Darno, he's been okay. Travis Darno good. He struggled in the playoffs, but he's good. You know, people. You see the Braves, you think Azuna, you think uh, Acuna. Uh, and you think uh, Freeman and maybe Alves, but everyone, one to nine, this team can hit as long as these pitchers can throw strikes and force these hitters to make uh, to get on base on their own. I think the Braves have they've been very successful. They've kept Mookie off the bases. I think he's like two for 20 in this series, something like that. And the other key that I mentioned on this podcast was not only do you have to limit walks, you have to try and get the leadoff guy of every inning out so that it doesn't start a big rally. The Braves have been... So successful with that outside of game three. I think they can keep it going. Um, I don't think a loss in, in game five right here is anything to have Braves fans worry about you get Max Fried having the extra day of rest. He'll pitch game uh, six. If it gets to that, I hope it doesn't. Let's get rid of these Dodgers tonight.
0: Hey, Ben said it better than I could. I think we get rid of the Dodgers tonight. If not, I'm not even the least bit worried. I don't think they have a chance against Ian Anderson or against Max Freed. Also, too, we really haven't had to use Melanson in the last few nights, so he should be well-rested and everything. That was big time pulling away in the way that we did last night and getting out of that bases loaded jam. Look, I think the Braves are more confident. I think they handle business tonight. If not, I mean, trust me, guys, we're going to be watching the Braves in the World Series. Let's put it that way.
1: They're playing loose. There's just no pressure on the team. They're dancing in the dugout. If you heard Freddie Freeman's post-game uh, interview last night, he said you know, the question was, how did you guys feel coming into the game? He said, we're unbothered. Like it, It's one game. That that routing the Dodgers had in Game 3 counts as one game. He said, we came in, people were on their phones a little bit, and then all of a sudden, Azuna started a dance party in the locker. It's the perfect mix of veterans and young players, and I think Swanson said it best, they let everyone be their own person. they. Have fun together. They're joking around. Uh, mm-hmm. Azuna's doing selfies all over the base paths. They're having fun. They're smiling. There's no pressure. All of the pressure is on LA, and it started from game one. This entire series, especially after they lost game one, the all the pressure is on LA.
0: Hey, that's the way I love it to be, man. All the pressure on them, no pressure on us. Gotta love it. And um, next, next up. Got to talk about the Astros' raise. They got game six tonight. Astros have kind of saved themselves down 3-0. Now it's 3-2. Ben, what are you thinking about this one?
1: Yeah, so uh, has Snell been announced tonight? I was assuming he was pitching. I think it's the same pitching matchup as game one. Um, I look for the raise to actually close this one out tonight. Um, I, I, Kira Meyer uh, got hit by that pitch. was a game four. I think he got hit by a pitch on the hand. He had to come out. He hasn't really played much. Apparently, he's looking better. We'll see if he can get that start today. That's a, that's a big piece for them. Um, tremendous fielder. If he gets on base, he's a tremendous base runner. Um, and he's been hitting pretty well in the postseason. So, we'll see if he can give it a go today. Um, we got to talk about this uh, Randy um, – uh, what's his last name? It's uh, it oh, a of name. Oh,
0: Rosarina? A Rosarina has been the hottest hitter
1: in America. I don't think any pitcher can get that guy out right now. Nope. I'm ready for the Astros to go home. Uh, They're just, they're just annoying. I mean, they're good. Here's the thing, and I said this, I think to you. I don't remember if it was off air. You know, the Astros didn't have that great of a year. That's fine. Mm -hmm. If they got into the playoffs, I told you, it's not like their lineup is bad. Like Jose Altuve had the worst year of his career by far. It's still Jose Altuve. Like it's still a guy who has a lot of postseason experience and success. And now he's got the yip. In the field, but his bat has really come alive. Springer's bat has come alive. He had a home run on the first pitch yesterday. Yeah, the Astros are not an easy team to close out. Not at all. But the Rays are a team that match up well versus them if they can get good starting pitching out of Blake Snell tonight. And if it goes out of Game Seven, I think we see Glass now on short rest. You know, I, he's capable of doing it. The Rays will throw everyone. In their stable of guys that they're 98 miles per hour. I think the Rays win this series. Uh, I do think they close it out today. Uh, I guess they play first today.
0: Yeah, I actually agree with you on this one. I think the Rays are going to end up closing them out. Look, I think it might be a close game, and to come down to the wire, probably be low scoring. Valdez has done a great job, too, pitching this entire postseason, but I'm with you, man. Snell's been lights out in his career in the postseason. I don't see why that doesn't continue today. Um, you know, like you said, the Astros came out, man, with the us-against-the-world kind of uh, kind of uh, way of going, and that's the way it's pretty much been for them. You know, that's their, their mentality, all playoffs, us-against-the-world, and it's done well for them. They've been experienced and they know how to play them. these, so they haven't been easy out at all, which is what you want to see from Houston if you're a Houston fan, but Ultimately, like you said, I think Tampa Bay's pitching is too good, and Rose arena had six home runs, I think, through like nine postseason games yesterday, or something like, or like 12 postseason games. I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable how much he... Like, I remember him in the regular season. I was like, yeah, hey, he's a good prospect. I mean, where did this come from, but back to... He's hitting
1: everything. Yeah. Basketball, breaking ball, he's hitting everything.
0: Yeah, I don't think the Yankees knew how to get him out. Like, honestly, every single time he stepped in the batter's box to get the Yankees, I was like, alright, where's he hit it this time? It's kind of how I feel about Ozuna in this series now for the Braves, but... Honestly, though, I think the biggest thing for the Rays is the fact they can pitch, but they're outfield. I mean, it's pretty much impossible to get an extra base hit in the gap against this team. Like you said, Kiermaier can cover a lot, too, but Renfro, too, back in game three. I mean, some of those plays he made were actually like series-saving plays. I mean, mean, if he doesn't make those right now, they might be down three games to two.
1: Especially on the ball. that He made the sliding or halfway diving catch coming into the ball. That gets past him. That ball's going to the wall and two, two more run scores, so... You know, and then they also have Austin Meadows, a Georgia boy. I think he's a – yeah, he's a – not University of Georgia, but I think he's from the state of Georgia. Um, yeah, the Rays are a really good team. They're going to be a tough um, uh, team to face for any of the – whether it's the Dodgers or
0: it's the Braves. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, when you have a pitching staff like that, it's going to be tough for any team to face. Personally, I kind of would rather face the Astros. Their pitching doesn't scare me at all. I mean, yeah, they have a great lineup, but – the Dodgers lineup still better, you know, and our pitching's fairly oh, finding.
1: 100% Braves fans would rather face the Astros.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'd rather do, I'd rather forget about the Rays pitching, worry about, the, worry about uh, the Astros pitching if I'm a Braves fan, but we'll see what happens. Still some time left in both these series. Hopefully both teams move on tonight and we'll be seeing the Braves versus the Rays in the World Series. Now, it's time for what all y'all have been waiting for. We have the biggest game of the week in college football, but first we got to recap what happened last week. So, me and Ben had a hot week the week before. This week not so much, but we did get lucky in most of the games that we won we talked about on the podcast. So, took Texas Oklahoma over. Or for Texas Oklahoma, I played the over which won by the grace of God and Ben took didn't take anything on that one. Um, UGA Tennessee, we both had the under and I think we both gave up on that one at about halftime. Um, Virginia Tech, UNC I didn't play anything, Ben took UNC minus 3 in the hook, which was a lock I'm so mad I didn't take that one um, Clemson versus Miami We I had the under, Ben played nothing and then we both uh, also lost again, damn, when we agreed both, Ben, we were an 0-2 this week on Florida versus Texas A&M, we both had Florida and lost the Colts and Browns, I took the under, which barely lost, and that one hurt a lot honestly um, ben took nothing. Um, the Vikings game, Ben took took a uh, Seattle minus seven, which lost. I took nothing. And then in the Eagles Steelers, I took the under, or another loser. And Ben had Carson Wentz throws an INT, which was a genius because he threw an INT and that's a winner. I was two and two on college football. Ben's two and one. 0 and two on NFL for me. One and one for him. And then I went two and four on total. On the podcast, Ben was 3-2, and two, but also after we were done going through all the games, Ben gave out his three NFL locks of the week. All three were winners. I was with him on the Dolphins as well. So, you know, not necessarily our best performance, but ended up getting those, getting those winners in there at the end of the podcast. Anything you got to say, Ben, before we get down to breaking down this week's games?
1: I'm ready. Let's get straight into
0: it. Hey, let's do this thing, man. Um, first... No, we got to make y'all wait a little bit for this Georgia-Alabama game. So first, we'll go ahead and jump in at 4 p.m. with number 11, Texas A&M at Mississippi State. Spread on this one is Mississippi State plus 5, over-under set at 55. I'm going to start us out on this one. Look, I have a strong play on Mississippi State. Be honest with you guys, when I saw this one pop up at first, I figured this was a public trap to try to get them to hop on Texas A&M. Hasn't exactly happened, but I've done a lot of digging and research on this one, and I'm going to tell you guys why I'm backing Texas, or, uh, Mississippi State in this game. So first off, Mississippi State's defense is not as bad as you really would think it would be. You know, when you look at it, Mississippi State and how that offense is and just Mike Leach teams in general, you know, you're expecting there to be no defense played. Well, I'll say not so fast here. Mississippi State's only giving them 75 yards per game on the ground, which currently ranks um, number four in college football. On top of that being the case here... Texas A&M's run offense is very good. Texas A&M running the ball, they are their 40th in the nation in that run offense. So Mississippi State's defense here with should be able to keep them at bay with that good run offense. Also on top of that, Mississippi State has the number um, one, they're number one in college football in passing yards. They're only 66 in total scoring yards. So I mean, they got to be able to put the ball in the end zone this week. That's been their big problem. They've been able to march up and down the field on teams, but Texas A&M's defense isn't good. This is a letdown spot for them off a huge win against Florida. Texas A&M's 2-5 straight up and against the spread on the road at Mississippi State. But also, Texas A&M's number 111th in the nation against passing offenses. Mississippi State's number one in the nation in passing yards. That's huge right there. And then also... Texas a ms 115th in points against, and they're 126 in yards per play, so they're allowing huge plays in the air. I think Mississippi State and K.J. Costello will get going after their worst performance of the season last week against Kentucky. Also, this defense played pretty well against Kentucky. Had three three-and-outs, three drives that were under 20 yards, and they threw a pick six and had a pick returned inside the 10. So, I mean, you turn the ball over six times and only give up 24 points. I mean, that's a defense right there, man.
1: The defense looks great. Uh, The problem, like you just mentioned, has been the offense, which is so weird for Mike Leach. That's like what he's known for. The last two weeks, they've lost to Arkansas. They scored 14 points. That was at home in Starkville. Last game in Lexington, Kentucky, they only scored two points, which means the offense scored zero because you get two from a safety. I trust that Mike Leach can figure this out when his defense is rewarding him this much. It's crazy. That they are number one in the country in passing yards, yet they can't get six on the scoreboard. Score a touchdown, Mike Leach. It shouldn't be that difficult when you're when you're throwing all over teams, right? So, I like the the defense to continue. I like I like that this game is in Starkville. Um, I also want to mention that we talked about this earlier in the week about fraudulent teams that have that number next to them. Texas A&M is not the 11th best team in the country. I don't know why they're ranked number 11. I mean, they just had a big win last week, I guess. Florida stinks on defense. Anyone can throw the ball over them. Um, I look for Mississippi State to get it rolling a little bit on offense. Give me Mississippi State plus the points.
0: Hey, I love it, Ben. We're both on the same side here on this one. Let's go Bulldogs in this one right here. It's going to be a fun one to watch at 4 p.m. and get us ready for the big game. First, before we jump to the big game, we got to talk about one that starts at 7 p.m. Played down in Tallahassee. Number five, UNC marches into Florida State. Florida State's a 13-point home dog in this one, over-under set at 64. I'll let you start us off with this one.
1: Yeah, so you mentioned to me that Florida State's you know, top receiver might even be their best offensive player. I'll let you uh, – you, would you say Terry's one of their best offensive players? I think anyone I'd say better. he
0: is our best offensive player, and it's not even close to anyone.
1: Yeah, so he's out. Um, that doesn't help Florida State, who really can't afford anyone to be out in general. We talked about this uh, earlier in the week with UNC. Uh, they're number five in the country. They have a team that's that's rolling right now. Their offense looks like it's rolling on all cylinders. Um, they started a little slow. or So last week they started great, 21 points in a blink of an eye. Then it kind of slowed down, and then it picked back up, and they blew them out and got that minus three for me. I don't believe in Florida State yet. I haven't really seen much improvements. 13.5 is a decent amount of points on the road. Um, I'm not going to have a play on this, but I do think Sam Howell should be able to throw the ball all over the field like he usually does. Um, UNC should win this game without a sweat. But here's the thing, like I said with UNC, they have to show up each and every week. You can't look at this like, oh, we're playing Florida State. They're terrible. Like I think this being a night game motivates them a little bit more because the scariest time is that 11 a.m. Central time, 12 a.m p.m eastern time kickoff this is a night game i think they're amped up for it i think unc should win easy but i'm gonna have no play on this
0: hey you know i can't blame you for not having any play on this one because i'm the exact same way on this one look like you said fsu in a night game unc's got their highest ranking from this team that won two games a couple years ago you know they 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 can still remember that for sure this is a big game for them coming in here with that number next to them um, UNC's defense hasn't been great yet, but they are 6-1 and one against the spread in their last uh, seven games in Tallahassee. They were the underdog, though, for all those. I mean, I mentioned that. UNC's 7th in rush yards in the n- entire nation, and they're 11th in total scoring offense. I mean, this is one of the best offenses in the league, not to mention Sam Howell can absolutely air it out, but, I mean, they've been beating teams so bad they've just been running it down their throat. Also, FSU's 114 versus the run. I don't think that gets any better this week. I think UNC's going to be able to run the ball down our throat. UNC's defense really doesn't rank up that great, but like Ben said, Terry's out, and I think that takes away a big dynamic. I mean, he had nine catches last week. It feels like he's the go-to. Look, Jordan Travis has come in and done a great job with this offense. He's a really good runner of the ball. I don't know how long he can hold up with how physical he's been running the football, but... I personally just see two teams that are going to come in and run the ball a ton. I really wanted to take the over, but without Terry in there, honestly, I don't know how it can, what FSU's offense can really do. I know for a fact UNC will probably do their part. I don't know if FSU can hold up their end of the bargain in this one. Therefore, I'm going to play nothing, but if I was forced to take something here, I'd lean towards the over and towards the Tar Heels laying the lumber. I just don't think FSU has the explosiveness. UNC can get a touchdown whenever they need one in this one.
1: Is UNC still missing those corners?
0: I'm not sure you know, on that one. I'll have to... They had
1: a... I think they had a corner that was limited this week, and I'm not sure if he's playing, because that would help force that a little bit. Like you said, UNC's defense isn't anything great right now. Um, they should be playing. I think they're better than how they've been playing, but obviously that means nothing unless you prove it on the field. But like you said, this offense is it's explosive at, the, at every position, really, quarterback, running back, and uh, playmakers on the outside. So... I don't think UNC runs into their like real test just yet. I think it's going to wait until uh, – I think you mentioned it earlier in the week until they play Notre Dame, right?
0: Yeah, and they're, so they close the season out with uh, – so this they have a very easy schedule until the end of the season. So their next games play FSU, NC State, Virginia – Duke, Wake Forest, and then they play Notre Dame, Miami, and Western Carolina. So two out of those last three games where we'll really find out what the Tar Heels are made of, and if they fumble along the way, then we'll definitely find out what they're made of before that. But hopefully that doesn't happen, because I have UNC in the Final Four, so.
1: They're they're going to be favored in all of those games until the Notre Dame game. I, well, unless that's in, is that in Chapel Hill, do you know?
0: What, Notre Dame? Yeah, do you know where they play?
1: I know it's a long
0: way away um i'm not let, let me check that one out real quick i'm so one of the two's at home one of the two's away um notre dame's in chapel hill they're at miami miami is no home field advantage though so i'm sure they're not worried about that right
1: one. i mean unc has a good chance to be favored in the rest of the schedule so we'll see if, if they can keep it going
0: hey absolutely it's gonna be fun to watch this offense go out once again and watch sam howell play um finally it's time Whew the biggest matchup of the entire college football season, and I can comfortably say there won't be another one this big. You have the number three Georgia Bulldogs on the road at number two Alabama Crimson Tide. Alabama, a four-and-a-half point favorite, over under 57-and-a-half. This is the biggest game of the entire college football season till the playoff or SEC championship. Ben, what are you doing with this one?
1: Yeah, I'm going to start off. I'm going to have no play on this. I, I, I don't want my bias to show, but I will – give you a breakdown of kind of what i'm looking for um in the game so georgia has experience and physicality in that secondary they they are they play up in your face they will put a hand on you they're very fast and richard Count number two is the definition of a ball hawk in that secondary he's usually around the field or around the ball when the ball's in the air second thing is Bama's wide receivers are just unbelievable. They have yet to really been stopped. We'll see that matchup. The second thing, Georgia's gotten great pressure on the quarterback, but they have not seen an offensive line like Alabama's. Tennessee has a good offensive line. Bama's offensive line is massive. They have monsters that I'm convinced were born inside of a lab because they are just huge. They are experienced. They're going to need to communicate very well because the communication has been a little sketchy starting off the games. I think being in Tuscaloosa with no crowd noise really um, will help that offensive line of communication. Georgia has really taken advantage teams in the third quarter, so that's another thing to watch. It was close against Tennessee at halftime. It was close with Arkansas at halftime, blew them out both teams in the third quarter. And we're going to find out if Stetson Bennett is real. Now, I don't think Bama's defense is really going to challenge him all that much. Bama's defense hasn't shown anything. So we'll see that matchup. There's just a lot of matchups all over the floor. There's a lot of NFL talent all over the floor. Like, they're always in this matchup. And apparently Nick Saban looks like he's going to be coaching on the sidelines now. I have no idea what's happening with that. He has apparently passed. This has been confirmed by some Bama beat writers. He has passed two tests. The... NCAA said you have to pass three tests. That third test will come out um, for public record tomorrow morning. So if he passes that, he is allowed to be on the sideline. If he is not allowed, he has to watch at home. And the NCAA is not allowing any communication. He's not allowed to wear a headset. He's not supposed to call any of the coaches at halftime. I don't really understand that. He's the head coach. He should be able to. You know, contact his coaches, but those are the rules. Those are the rules. It sounds like he's going to be there. Also, James Cook, who was limited, he barely played last week against Tennessee, is back this week. That's big news for Georgia's running back. But Zamir White is going to be super limited due to an injury he sustained in the Tennessee game that apparently got a little bit worse in practice. I don't think he's going to be on the field that much. Georgia also has McIntosh, which is a very capable running back. Another thing to look out for. There's a lot. I mean, I could go for days on this. Starting safety for Alabama, Jordan Battle will be suspended for the first half due to a targeting call that happened in the second half of last week. Obviously, it's never a good sign when your starting safety um, is not playing. I don't really see this as a big deal because Bama's defense has sucked with a capital S. Um, So you can just kind of plug in place there. Hey, but y'all did
0: shut down Texas A&M's prolific offense. You know, people uh, aren't accounting for that. I mean – I'm just going to say this. That was the classic look-ahead spot last week against Ole Miss. You knew, you knew for a fact you were not going to lose that game to Ole Miss. Where was your motivation? You're a 24-and-a-half-point favorite. Lane Kiffin, the former assistant, I mean, that was the Super Bowl for Lane Kiffin if he wins that game. I mean, Alabama had nothing to play for. The weather was bad and everything. I don't really knock Alabama at all for last week.
1: And that's fine. So, And we'll see. They, they have no choice but to show up in this game because it's the only game that, in my opinion, is really going to challenge them. Uh, Like on paper, I think I don't think Auburn really scares any Bama fans or players. LSU, pass. They stink. Um, So we'll see. Bama's got to come out with some fire. They're going to come out with grit. Uh, We'll see if that defense can get going, and we'll see. I mean, Bama's got a lot of weapons on offense, but they've never really been challenged. They won't be challenged um, like they are going to be challenged this week, so we'll see how that goes. It'll be interesting. Like I said, it's going to be no play for me. Um, I grew up a diehard Georgia fan, went to the University of Alabama. Bama is my number one team by far, but I'm not going to have a play on this.
0: You know, Ben, you laid down a lot of good reasons there. I am on Alabama minus four and a half. Look, I told Ben any number under five, I'm for sure taking Alabama. Anything above six would make me think about Georgia. I thought about Georgia. I still liked Alabama when it was at a six and a half. I mean, Nick Saban worth two points of line value. Shoot, I'll take that all day. They have so many former coaches on that staff. I think they should be able to pull something together. Besides, he already implemented his game plan pretty much, and the fact he might be in there makes me like that too. Also kind of like over 57.5. Alabama's the number one scoring offense in all of college football, number two passing offense, only to Mississippi State, and they're 34th running the ball. Georgia's number one in the nation against the run. Also, Saban's 21-1 and one against his former assistants. That's yeah. going to be sm- Oh, in zero. That's what I meant, in zero. Yeah, my bad, my bad. That's Kirby Smart right here. You know, I think Alabama's going to be able to score the ball. I think Georgia's going to hang tough, don't get me wrong. By no means I'm going to say Alabama's going to boat race them, but I think at the end of the day, Alabama ends up winning like 38-27. I'd say a modest 10-11 point Alabama victory. I think it'll be a good game, but eventually Stetson Bennett's not dynamic enough to help the dogs pull away here and win this game. I think that Alabama's going to march up and down the field all day. Georgia hasn't seen an offense as prolific and dynamic as Alabama's all season long, I think that Waddle's going to present a lot of problems for them this game. Ultimately, I think Alabama ends up winning this game, but I mean, I think it's going to be a great game throughout the whole time. Like, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say Alabama's going to blow them out or anything, but I think Alabama is going to get the job done.
1: But this is not—I don't know if you can definitively say that this is Bama's best offense that Georgia has seen. I mean, it's basically the same offense just with Tua, um, which is what they had, and and you know let's not sugarcoat this, the the SEC title game that Bama beat Georgia in and the national title game, Georgia outplayed Bama. They just didn't finish. Bama won both those games. Obviously I think they're on a five game win streak against Georgia, but Georgia's leading for like 75 or 80% of those minutes in those games. So this is the best defense Kirby smart has had in Georgia, in my opinion. I mean, it's, it's just gonna be a really good matchup. So I gave out a key player to watch. In that Georgia-Tennessee game, uh, and he was all over the field, like I predicted. I'll give out a couple more now. And it's not going to be any hot takes. This is pretty obvious. Number one, literally number one for Georgia, George Pickens. He has to be dominant for Georgia to win this game. He has to demand the football. He has to get open against the secondary. He's a big physical receiver. Key word on the physical because he's kind of a moron. He squirted water on uh, Tennessee quarterback last week, got a 15-yard penalty. Kirby was livid about that. Uh, he punched a Georgia Tech player. He's been in a couple of fights in college. That's not a player Georgia can afford to lose in this game. Let's see if Bama kind of teases him in, into some physicality. I think it's going to be pretty physical on the outside. Georgia needs to be physical with Bama's receivers. Bama's receivers are not big dudes. Devontae Smith is the tallest one, and I think he's listed as like six one, six two. Waddle is not very – they're speed guys. You have to be physical with them at the line of scrimmage to get them off that track. If you let them get that start, Waddle is going to burn you all day long. Um, So we'll see. Obviously, Najee Harris is a physical downhill runner. Georgia is tremendous against the run, best in the country. So look out for number 32 on Georgia's defense, Monty Rice. On the flip side, on Bama's defense, it starts with Dylan Moses. It really does. And it's going to start with the defensive line for, for Alabama. Can they get pressure and force Stetson Bennett to beat them? So those are some of the key things I'm looking at. I think it's going to be a tremendous game. Um, I expect both – as long as this is not a blowout, I expect both of these teams to meet again in December.
0: No, I agree with you completely. I think no matter what, these teams will meet again in December, no matter what happens here in this game. It's going to be a great one. I can't wait to watch it. Let's move things over now to the NFL – And, you know, there's some really good matchups this week in the NFL. Ultimately, I ended up choosing the ones that I thought were the best, and we'll go ahead and start things off here with the Packers on the road at Tampa Bay. Um, Ben, you want to start off with this one for us?
1: Yeah, I've already taken the Packers. Let's just get that out of the way. I have no idea why this is a pick I'm not saying – I mean, I just – the Packers are better. They're healthier now. They're just coming off a bye, which I trust LaFleur, and I trust Rodgers. Rodgers is great in big moments. This is a massive moment. You know he's going to love playing Tom Brady. The injuries are a little concerning for me at the wide receiver position for Tampa Bay. Godwin's been out most of the season so far. He's kind of been in and out. Mike Evans has been playing with a hurt. an ankle that's been bothering him. He's been playing through it, though. Yeah. Um, I love Rodgers in big moments. It's hard for me to um, shy away from him in big moments. That used to be Brady for me, but not anymore. I like the Packers in this game. I've already taken it because Devonte Adams should be healthy. He was kind of mad that he wasn't allowed to play against the Falcons. They didn't need him. He had Not to buy. It. He sh- he should be ready to go. Aaron Jones is running at a high level. I really like what I see from uh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Jamal Williams at a, in the past game. The Packers have done a tremendous job with getting him involved at receiving the football. Rodgers has looked great all season long. We talked about him in that MVP race. He's right up there. I'm going to take the Packers. I have actually already taken the Packers.
0: Yep, I also have already taken the Packers. I'm going to give you all my reasons for why I like the Packers. So, when I first saw this game, I thought it was a no-brainer to take the Packers. Then I saw the line moves towards Tampa Bay, and I was like, all right, got to figure out what's going on here. I dug and dug and dug and dug, and the only reason I can find that anyone would take Tampa Bay is because the Packers have been practicing in 50-degree weather, and Tampa Bay has been playing in 83-degree weather. Are you kidding me? That's the reason you're going to take Tampa Bay. I would say you're a fool. My second reason that you could maybe take Tampa Bay is they are number one in the NFL against rushing the ball, against rushing the ball, as in on defense, and the Packers are number five. Well, Vita Vea is now out for the season. Their massive run-stopping defensive tackle. I think losing him is huge and means a lot more than you would think it would to them. I mean, this dude's a beast. We even saw him last week getting after it. Once he came out, that was when the Bears finally started to move the ball up and down the field when Vita Vea got hurt and didn't return. That's how the Bears came back and won that game last week. Ultimately, I love the Packers here in this spot. The Packers, off a of bye, and it's even with McCarthy as head coach, are 9-3-2 and two against the spread. Also, Matt LaFleur last year was the best coach in the NFL, the first drive out of halftime, and the first three drives of the game. So basically on scripted drives, he was the best coach in the NFL. He's got a bye week here, so he said two weeks to prepare for Tampa Bay. You don't think he doesn't have a great game plan man, drawn up, and I'm sure Matt LaFleur is smart enough to know how good they are against the run. He's going to be able to trick Tampa Bay all game long. Packers have the number one scoring offense, number three passing offense, number five rushing offense, number one in time of possession as well, and number one in YPP on the offense. Look, this Packers offense is a juggernaut. Aaron Rodgers on fire, like you said, he gets Devontae Adams back. I say there's no humanly possible way you can bet against Tampa Bay. I'll bet with the Joes on this one in Pac Green Bay.
1: Yeah, I like quarterback number twelve. Haha. Uh-huh. They're both number twelve. Um <laughs> Rogers and LaFleur look like they're they're on a roll. It looks like they're totally in sync. Um, they look good together. And honestly, I, I often lift, listen to the Pat McAfee show on Tuesdays because Aaron Rodgers goes on every single Tuesday. The dude just looks so comfortable, so relaxed when he talks about this Packers offense i think he really likes i think people always complain about how they didn't draft um you know wide receivers outside of devonte adams for him Rodgers doesn't need a big time name like he, j- he throws the ball to everyone as long as you have his respect and have his and he's got confidence in you he's going to throw you the football and their receivers are they're good i mean obviously devonte adams is your superstar he's the guy that gets you going but their guys with Devontae adams are plenty good to help Rodgers you got Aaron Jones you got Jamal Williams offensive line has been uh I'd say they've been good I think they can improve a little bit more on protecting Rodgers but once once Rodgers gets out of the pocket you just I mean it's tough to stop him he could flick his wrist and that ball goes 60 yards so I'm sticking with the Rodgers Rodgers
0: hey good call there Ben I love the decision by you um, let's go. Go, pack Goes what I got to say on that one. Next game right here is the Buffalo Bills at the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, spread on this one is I believe Kansas City minus four. The over under last I saw was fifty seven. I'm about to double check on both those numbers for us here in a second. But I, um, you want to go ahead and start us off with this I one? I think yeah? the
1: the games in Buffalo.
0: I think. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah, this game's okay. Monday at five PM. By the way, for those of y'all who didn't know, this one got moved. It was supposed yeah. to be on Thursday, but because of the weird scheduling, this is where where we're having it now. Yeah, it spreads at 4.5 for uh, Kansas City, over under 57.5. What are you doing with this one?
1: Yeah, so is Le'Veon Bell playing? Do we know?
0: I doubt it, and honestly, yeah, I wouldn't expect I him say. to because of how complex Andy Reid's offense is.
1: Yeah, I didn't think he was going to play, but I do want to talk about that a little bit, um, about the addition of Le'Veon Bell. So Kansas City right now, is averaging 119 rushing yards per game this season. That ranks 13th in the NFL. I know for a fact that is not where they want to be right now. They'd rather be probably within the top five, top seven. Because if they're if they can get that rushing attack going on all cylinders, then it makes Mahomes even more dangerous with his arm. Uh, Clyde Edwards Elair has struggled a little bit in the short yardage game. I think adding Le'Veon is better. For that, He's a little bit bigger of a body, a lot more experienced, and he's so patient behind an offensive line. I also think that the Bills are kind of being doubted in this game. The Bills have a really good defense. Well, you have the numbers on their defense. I like their defense, whether the numbers show or not. I think they show up in big games. I'm leaning towards Buffalo with the points on this at home. I think Josh Allen does have a little bit of a bounce back game. I think when he sees Kansas city, Mahomes on the other side of the field, I think he's going to want to play at his best. And I think we're going to seal who the real Josh Allen really is. Is he a guy that can get to that great elite level or is he just going to be a guy that's just going to be good on the fringe of being great. I think this game, he has a good chance to prove that because Kansas city's defense is not that good. I'll say this every week in a big-time matchup. You always have to know what Tyron Matthew is on the field. i like Buffalo. I'm not officially going to play that yet. I'm going to wait till Sunday night to get a little bit more information on this. But I do think Buffalo is being doubted. And I think it's just because they're coming off a loss. What about you?
0: I agree with you completely, Ben. It is a tough scheduling spot for Buffalo, though, with the quick turnaround and the fact that they also – you know the same thing kind of happened to him on Monday night. They didn't even know if that game or Sunday or Tuesday night. Cheese. I can't even. I sound so weird to say Tuesday night football, but it was such a bad scheduling spot for them. I feel like that really, really hurt them here in this game. And look, it's a Milano not playing. I think hurts them a lot. Their middle linebacker. When you have a guy who can cover passing, like. Teams passing and like linebackers and running backs like that, that hurts a lot. And also Tredavis White didn't play last game, arguably their best defensive player. Both are expected to be active in this game, which makes a huge difference. I think the Bills are being doubted as well. And, you know, kind of after being embarrassed in a national spotlight, they want to bounce back. They're great against the run as their eighth, but they're 29th against the pass. But that's because they're missing two of their key pass coverage guys, I think. Right. And also Tennessee, I mean, kind of killed them on that uh, on those play action plays. I haven't decided what I want to play yet with this game. If White and Milano don't play, I'd probably take the over. But if they both do play, i would probably lean towards the Bills with the points here, man. I really like this spot for Buffalo to get a bounce back win. They seem highly motivated in this spot. I don't know why they wouldn't be. I think Buffalo gets the job done.
1: So as but, of right now, they Go ahead, go ahead.
0: Oh, I will say this, but I'm not officially playing anything yet. I would sh- check me out on Twitter for my if I officially play that one or not.
1: Um, so as of right now, there is a 50% chance of rain. So I would keep an eye on that as Sunday kind of progresses. I also want to point out, like, okay, so the Chiefs are 4-1. and one, mm-hmm. And they've beaten, they've beaten some good teams, you know. But they don't look like the Chiefs, dude. They lost – obviously, they just lost to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Before that, they played New England. 26 points. I, I don't consider that to be that – I mean, that's that's a lot. But this Chiefs offense with how many – guys the uh new england is missing you would have thought they should have scored more than that they look good against baltimore but they didn't look good against the chargers all game so i don't really like the consistency really hasn't been there and i think i do want to add one more thing to the Le'Veon bell or yeah Le'Veon bell edition i think it's more of an impact well let me rephrase that I think it's less of an impact that they got him and what he can provide for them. That offense was already a juggernaut on paper. I think it's more of an impact that they got him that other teams can't have him. Mm -hmm. I think they went after him because they're like, you know what? We could use him, but every other team that's trying to beat us in the AFC kind of needs him to beat us. So I think they got him to prevent other people from getting it. And I think that's Chess playing checkers. I think that's a great move by the GM.
0: Hey, I agree with you completely, Ben. I think regardless of Lady on Bell will make a positive impact, but I think it's huge they got him and no one else did as well.
1: And I do want to point out one more thing. It seems like big names every time they leave an Adam Gase offense seem to perform. I think I mentioned this before. Ryan Tannehill, since he's left Adam Gase, which was on the Dolphins, has put up career numbers since. Well, I guess last year he did. He's looked good now. Robbie Anderson's having a good year. Uh there's another play. So we'll see. There's another player I'm blanking on his name. But, but So let's see what Le'Veon Bell can do. I don't think his numbers and lack of production in, in New York is – I don't think he's washed up in any way. And honestly, the Chiefs don't really need him to be the Steelers' Le'Veon Bell. If he can do what Todd Gurley's doing in Atlanta, that's incredible for this Kansas City offense. It just opens up a little bit more for Mahomes. I don't know. what's. He hasn't looked as sharp, I feel like, as he did last year.
0: Who, Mahomes?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's dominating. But I feel like this offense just – Kelsey's been out. Like, I think Sammy Watkins is out now. Maybe it's just this year and it's weird. But uh, I just feel like they should be blowing some of these teams out. And I, I – haven't really clicked in I'm shocked that they lost to Vegas
0: hey I'll say this last year I didn't even think Kansas City was going to win the championship until about two or three weeks before it happened and I feel like Kansas City's kind of built like that you know where the beginning of the season they might not look as strong but by the end of the season that's when they'll actually be the Kansas City Chiefs and that's when they'll be ready to beat up on teams so I think more so that's what's happening is that they're just you know just kind of playing the season out letting whatever happens happen and then by the time that it's you know it's time to go out and win the championship that's when they'll be ready
1: i mean they beat the patriots 23 to 10 and the patriots were playing like their b team i mean they didn't have they didn't really have anyone so it was
0: also though a weird scheduling spot i mean they didn't even know if it that game was to be you're played right. you know yeah you're right i mean this year is just
1: so difficult you got to be so adaptable but it's it's tough uh mentally to just prepare mm-hmm. yourself sometimes you just don't know when you're gonna play
0: No, that's what I'm saying, man. You really don't know what's going to happen some of these times in some of these games and the way everything lines up, especially this year. But trust me, by the end of the season, Andy Reid will have this team ready to roll and ready to get things on track. Last game of the weekend here, Browns on the road at the Steelers. This game has Pittsburgh as a three-point home favorite. Um, The spread on this, or the over-under on this game, is set at um, 51. What are you doing, Ben?
1: Yeah, so I keep seeing a stat that goes around that says Big Ben is twenty-three wins, two losses, and one tie against the Browns. That's I don't correct. really, I don't really think that's a significant stat because the Browns, for most of those victories, have been the easiest team to beat in the history of the NFL. These Browns, this Browns team now is not like they the big uh the Browns team that Big Ben is used to playing for in his entire career. I mean, would you agree with that? The Browns no, look I much agree with that, better. Absolutely. So, I think that's just kind of... I mean, I guess it's a nice stat to show, but I kind of think it's pointless. I still think the Steelers win this game. Um, That's another team that looks really good on offense. They're clicking. Big Ben looks good. Really good. Juju, Smith, and him have that connection. It's back. Juju had a down year last year. Can't blame him when you have Mason Rudolph and uh, Duck Hodges kind of throwing to him. But baker mayfield has been playing well pretty recently and i think a key stat um or key thing to point out with the browns is they're not only playing well on offense and scoring right now their biggest superstar biggest diva odell beckham jr has been getting the ball i think he's getting close to around 40 percent of all of baker mayfield's targets right now that's That's huge. You have to get your star players the ball. I know that Jarvis Landry is great, too, and Austin Hooper is good. But OBJ gets that team to another level when he's going. He's looked good so far. I think in a game like this, though, the Chubb, not having Chubb, matters a little bit more than we've seen so far. Um, I think you have to be balanced against the Steelers' defense. I love the Steelers' defense. Uh, What was the spread in this game? Did you say that?
0: Uh, three and a half on Pittsburgh.
1: I, I I like that. I like that. I'm not going to officially play it right now. I might tweet if I play it or not. I have some other NFL picks that we didn't talk about. So right now, I'll hold off on it. But I do like that pick. I'm going to lean that way.
0: Um, I love Pittsburgh in this game. This is probably my most confident play of the entire weekend. I'm about to tell you guys why. So... Beginning reason is what you said about Ben Roethlisberger and his success against the Browns, but also on top of all that, look, the last time these two teams played, Miles Garrett hit Mason Rudolph in the head with the helmet. You don't think both <laughs> these teams have been chirping back and forth all week? We've seen it all week long. How the Browns have been saying they're playing for for uh, Miles Garrett, how the Steelers have been saying they're out to get revenge. You know, it's left a bad taste in their mouth losing that game outright. I think Pittsburgh gets it going big time this week against them. I think this team's emerging and coming together. Chase Claypool broke out last week. Look, I'm not saying he's going to have four touchdowns again, but kid can play. He was a freak at Notre Dame, and I think he's the same thing here in the NFL. Juju Smith-Schuster seems to be playing well as well. Ebron only seems to be looking more comfortable. Then on top of that, you have a ton of backs held up by James Conner. I think Pittsburgh's offense will be too much for them, as well as this defense is going to be ball hawking. Baker Mayfield has a little bit of a rib injury. I mean, he's going to be playing in the game, but yep. look for Pittsburgh to pop him early, TJ Watt to get him on his back early. Baker won't get up so gingerly. I think Pittsburgh is going to be able to throw the ball all around the field on them here and get what they want to. I think Pittsburgh rolls in this game, and also, too, I think they're going to stuff Cleveland's run and make them try to pass, and that's how they're going to blast Mayfield
1: uh, Baker was asked about the rib injury. He said, mama didn't raise no wuss. That's an electric quote. Um, this for anyone listening, this is a game where that bet comes into play where you can take a quarterback to throw an interception. I am not going to take it as of now, but Baker can be turnover prone. The Steelers have a tremendous pass rush to kind of get him to rush at some of his throws. They also have a great secondary like you mentioned. They have some ball Hawks back there. Pittsburgh looks good, man. Um, Pittsburgh looks, and Chase Claypool is kind of like that, um, I think I talked about earlier in the week, that hybrid, like, wide receiver, tight end kind of looking dude, you know, he's listed as a wide receiver, right? Yeah. Or he's yeah. listed as a, yeah. Was he a tight end or wide receiver in Notre Dame?
0: He was wide receiver. He's just big, though, okay. but he was always outside the numbers.
1: Right. I mean, he's big, physical, and he's got some speed to him. Not quite Deacon Metcalf. I mean, let's not get ridiculous, but... This confidence has only got to be growing, and he's not even the biggest target they have. So the fact that he can have a game like he just did last week with four touchdowns, and Juju Smith is always going to be the number one target is incredible news for Big Ben Roethlisberger. The Browns just have to get to Big Ben. You have to use that pass rush. The Miles Garrett's been phenomenal. Uh, they still they still got Olivier, Vern, uh, Olivier Vernon or Vernier, have you pronounced? They still got him, or is he injured?
0: Uh, I think they still have him.
1: Yeah, he's a good pass rusher, but they're gonna have to get to him. This is actually a game where I could see both quarterbacks throwing an interception. I just want to put that out there. You can do with your money, with all you want, but both teams do have a pretty good secondary. I do like Pittsburgh though.
0: Yeah, hey, my last reasoning I'm gonna say before we uh, before we finish this top this conversation is. Look, the Browns are first in the league in rush yards. Pittsburgh's second in the league in rushing defense against that rush, so Pittsburgh's going to be up their stuff in that run and making Baker try to beat them, which I think is huge. Also, Pittsburgh's fourth in defensive YPP, so they're not allowing big plays either. I think none of that bodes well for the Browns. Then on the flip side things, Cleveland has a really good rush defense, too, is their third and Pittsburgh's seventh in running the ball, but Big Ben can still sling that ball across the yard, so... I like that Pittsburgh offense get it done. Also, the Browns are giving up the 30th most passing yards in the league. Pittsburgh's 18th in passing. I think Pittsburgh leaves the run alone this week and throws all over the Browns and gets that ball back early and often this game. I think Pittsburgh rolls at home. Also, too, this is probably the biggest game of Baker Mayfield, of the Baker Mayfield Browns era. Do you all really think they're ready for a game this big? I most certainly don't think they were. If they were at home, I would consider it, but on the road, it's not happening, guys.
1: Real quick, then we can wrap up the NFL talk, but. and this is this is not a game we talked about, but do you think Andy Dalton and that Cowboys Cardinals line is, is a little disrespectful?
0: Oh, absolutely. I'm on the Cowboys as my next biggest bet this weekend. Actually, here's a little stat for y'all real quick. So Andy Dalton, when that he is a short, it's when he's a small dog, so the line is plus three or less, but he's still the underdog. Andy Dalton's five and two against the spread in his career.
1: I also like okay, so Dak Prescott is a I consider him to be a a good quarterback, but maybe not great is obviously better than Andy Dalton. I mean, that's clear, but Andy Dalton is serviceable. Like this dude is a lot better than most backup quarterbacks. Every other team has. I also, you lost your quarterback, which is obviously the most important position, but the weapons are still there. You still have Gallup. You still have C. land. You still have Amari Cooper. You still have Zeke still have the offensive line. The problem for the Cowboys all season long has not been the offense. It's been the defense. So the weapons are still there. It's just can Andy Dalton execute the plays? I don't – I just think the Cardinals haven't looked as good as I thought they would have been. But this is an interesting matchup because the defense of the Cowboys is so bad that this could be a breakout game for Kyler. But I, I kind of think um, they're being a little disrespectful to Andy Dalton and the weapons that the Cowboys do have on this offense. I'm also on the Cowboys plus one and a half. I don't hate the over. I haven't taken that yet, but I don't hate it because the Cowboys Same. defense
0: is absolutely dreadful.
1: Um, yeah, you know what? Add that to my card. I'm taking. I'm taking the over in this game.
0: Hey, I like that Ben. Also, too, Chandler Jones is questionable. So you know, if they're not gonna be able to get that pressure on Dallas, Andy Dalton might just sit back there and pick him apart all game long. Actually, wait, wait, wait. Tr- Chandler Jones is out. Actually, he's not playing. It's official. So
1: yeah, and I think the over is around fifty four right now.
0: Yeah, and Arizona's 2 and 14 straight up in their last 16 games on the red versus Dallas. Also, too, here's another this is my biggest reasoning for hating Arizona this week. So, 3 weeks ago, Arizona flew out to the East Coast and lost to Carolina, then they flew back. Last weekend, they flew out into New York and played the Jets and won, obviously. Now they flew back to Arizona, and now they're flying back again to Dallas. This has to be one of the worst travel spots I've seen in a long time, especially with all the COVID protocols and everything. Traveling's a bitch and a half right now. Traveling three weeks in a row back and forth between the West and the East Coast is not smart on Arizona's part. All the more reason to love Dallas. Well,
1: it's not smart on the NFL scheduling part. (laughs) But
0: I I see what you mean by saying the Cardinals.
1: I also want to say that, like, I think the Cowboys, as bad as their defense has been, I don't know if all of the blame is necessarily on the cornerbacks. I, I feel like Trayvon Diggs is having a pretty good rookie season. I, they're missing – well, they're always missing Sean Lee at linebacker. He, I don't even know if that dude can walk anymore. And they're missing Vander Esch at linebacker. And then they're missing some pass rush guys. But I feel like their pass rush, they paid their defensive line. I feel like they've been kind of quiet, don't you think? Mm-hmm. So, I don't think Jerry Jones would be too happy about that. The well, they also head have a coach, lot of guys
0: out on the D-line. They
1: do. They do that is true. But the, the head coach doesn't help because he knows nothing about defense. He's an offensive guy. And we'll see. I I, I think Andy Dalton is just fine to win, to win this game. I'm taking the Cowboys plus one and a half and give me the over.
0: Hey, I love it, Ben. I love it. Any final words before we get up out of here today? I'm good. I hope everyone has a tremendous
1: weekend. Be safe wherever you are, wear a mask, let's have some fun, let's win some money, and roll tide.
0: Hey, I was just waiting for the win that and roll tide. Once again, guys, we appreciate Ben coming on. Ben, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks as always. Hey, Once again, guys, appreciate everyone who tuned in and listened to all 54 minutes of us talk about football and baseball. Um, Let's all win some good money this weekend. Hopefully um, the Falcons might finally get that first win of the season. Doubt it, but hopefully. Shout out Nick
1: Saban for absolutely defeating COVID.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and shout out Nick Saban for defeating COVID. Till then, we'll see you all Monday. Peace.